And let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verses 51 and 52. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52. Verse 51 reads, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Let's bow for prayer. Oh God, we are thankful that we can sing of victory this morning and we bless you and praise you for that victory which is ours in Jesus Christ. Fill us now with your blessed Holy Spirit, we pray. Give us ears to hear what you have for us this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray. Amen. Our yearly theme is a passion for Jesus Christ, having a passion for Jesus Christ. And each month we have and we will continue to address this theme from a different angle, of course. So far we have emphasised a passion for Jesus Christ means that I am passionate about knowing Christ, knowing Christ. That was our emphasis in February. Then in March, our Missions Month, a passion for Jesus Christ means that we desire to reach the world for Jesus Christ. In April, a passion for Jesus Christ means that I'm willing to serve Christ. And in this past month, May, a passion for Jesus Christ means that I'm determined to Cultivate a Christ-centred home. Now we're in June. A passion for Jesus Christ means that I am determined to live victorious in Jesus Christ. To live victorious in Jesus Christ. Is it possible to live a victorious Christian life? Is it possible? The answer is yes, yes, yes. Did you hear me? Yes. You and I can live victorious in Jesus Christ. And our passage confirms here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, our passage confirms our victorious standing in Jesus Christ and how we should live because of this fact. Now note first and foremost from verses 51 down to verse number 54, the Bible declares 
victory. Victory declared over death. Victory declared over death. This is the emphasis of verses 51 down to verse 54. Verse 51 begins, Behold, see, look, gaze upon. Gaze upon the fact I show you a mystery. Now, whenever you read the word mystery in the Bible, it is not in reference to God hiding and now revealing, as if God plays hide and seek with us. The word mystery has to do with the uh, complete fulfillment or the full unveiling And God tells us here, behold, I show you a mystery. God unveils a truth fully before us. And from that basis, verse 51 goes on to read, we shall not all sleep. We shall not all sleep. Now what does he mean by this? Obviously, we all need physical sleep. At least we cry out that we do. But most of us sleep too much. (laughs) It's true. The word sleep in the Bible is used two ways. Obviously, in reference to physical sleep. But it's also referred to in a spiritual sense. So obviously the context here tells us that this usage of the word sleep is not in reference to physical sleep. For we shall not all sleep. Well, that's not true. Some of you are falling asleep right now. Will you please wake up? We're in church this morning. So he's obviously referring to sleep in a spiritual sense. Now by comparing scripture and wisdom will always allow the Bible to interpret the Bible because God's word won't contradict itself. Now, by comparing Scripture with Scripture, we will see that the reference here is in reference to spiritual sleep. Turn with me, please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses 13 to 17. Note the usage of the word sleep. Here. And this will give us understanding what is referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 13 reads of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren, he's referring to Christians, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. 
Therefore, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain shall not unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. So we see within 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, what is referred to as sleep in a spiritual sense. As we just read, there are those that have died physically in Jesus Christ. They are referred to as asleep. Not dead, asleep. And when Jesus Christ returns, their bodies will be raised and they will receive eternal bodies. From sleep to being awakened. And then we also read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, then those that will be privileged to be alive, not asleep, in Jesus Christ, those that will be privileged to be alive when Jesus returns, and I'm already, I've already put my order in, my preference, but God's will be done. Those that will be privileged to be alive when Jesus Christ returns, I just can't wait to see a bunch of Baptists turning up on time. Amen, in the presence of the Lord. In fact, Christians, full stop, being on time. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm looking forward to the rapture outside of seeing my Lord. Then those that will be privileged to be alive when Jesus returns, they will be caught up, raptured, taken suddenly, caught up to be with Christ forever. So if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, But I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. We shall all be changed. So whether dead or alive, at our Lord's return, the Bible gives us the assurance of change. And it will take place. The Bible teaches us in verse 52, note with me, in a moment. This word moment is from the same base word that we translate the word atom. Atom. Atomos. Atom. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. 
quicker than you can blink. So go ahead and blink. Rapidly, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, as we read there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, those that have died will receive an incorruptible immortal body in exchange for their decayed body. And those alive at his coming will receive an incorruptible immortal body in exchange for their decaying body. Amen. Note there verse 52 and 53 once again. For the trump shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible. The dead in reference to those that are asleep, believers that have died, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. That which is decay will put on that which will never decay. That which is mortal will be replaced with immortality. Now note verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. The Bible talks about being changed. We shall all be changed, verse 51. The Bible talks about we shall be changed in verse 52. The question goes begging, does the Bible give us more detail as to what kind of body we are told it's going to be incorruptible, we are told it's going to be immortal. Does the Bible give us any more insight as to what kind of a body, an incorruptible, immortal body we will receive when the Lord Jesus returns? The answer is yes. Of course. For God, it's yes. Note there in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John, please. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 2. Verse John chapter 3, verse number 2. It reads, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, in reference to Jesus Christ, we shall be, let's say it together, like him. For we shall see him as he is. We shall all be changed. We shall be changed. The corruptible will be replaced with incorruption. The mortal will be replaced with immortality. And we will be changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And therefore, it rightfully reads there back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
verse 54, at the end there, death is swallowed up in victory. God declares victory over death. God declares victory over death. Victory declared over death is the focus of verses 51 to 54. The effects of death, the breaking down of the body, the decay, God declares victory over death. Death is swallowed up in victory. Quoting out of Isaiah chapter 25, please, quickly. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8. Isaiah 25, verse 8. He will swallow up death in victory. Glory to God. Isaiah 25, 8. He will swallow up death in victory and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. That's beautiful. Where did tears appear? On the face. Note the detail there. God will wipe away tears off all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall be taken away from off all the earth. For the Lord has spoken it. Death is swallowed up in victory. God declares victory over death, the effects of death, the breaking down of the body, the decaying of the body, but also this victory over death is in reference to there will be a time that death will be no more. The end of death. Death will be a thing of the past. And praise God, all those wretched funeral directors will be out of business. Amen. Bunch of sharks, most of them. 99.99999% of them. Sharks. They'll be out of business overnight. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more death. Death is swallowed up in victory. The effects of death. The end of death. Death will be a thing of the past. Because death is swallowed up in victory. Now how is this made possible? Well, I'm glad you've asked. Go to verse 55. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Victory de- delivered in Jesus Christ. Verses 51 to 54, victory declared over death. Victory delivered in Jesus Christ. Note verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But note verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Note then verse 55 that death is likened to a sting. 
an irritation that tells us that something's coming. Just like we normally feel a sting, we all feel death, do we not? When it comes our way, all of a sudden our eyes light up. So-and-so's died. Sting. Attention getter. O death, where is thy sting? Death has a way of stinging people with fear for most and sobriety for some. That's why it's good for you to go to a funeral. Don't avoid them. Do your soul good spiritually to go to a funeral. The world's trying to do away with funerals because they don't want to face the reality of death. My Bible tells me you're better off going to the house of mourning. I understand, not necessarily pleasant, for a better word, like going to a wedding, but in a spiritual sense, it should do your soul good. It will do you well to witness mortality, corruption, as a means of inspiring you to live for Christ and prepare for eternity. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Death has a sting to it. It gets our attention, does it not? It's a reminder to us all that our turn is coming. Let me say it again. Our turn is coming. Wake up, Australia. Our turn is coming. But the Lord delays, tarries his return. Now, death might sting, but it won't lead to anything anymore because of Christ. And this is what he's saying here. O death, where is thy sting? (coughs) At the end of the day, that sting is nothing. It's just a little pinch. It won't lead to infection. It won't lead to your finger dropping off. It won't lead to you dying. It'll just be a little bing. A non-event. O death, where is thy sting? And note there in verse 55, O grave, where is thy victory? Death and grave are related, first cousins, are they not? Are they not? First cousins, well acquainted with one another. They're in partnership. Normally when you have a death, you have a grave. Grave, where is thy victory? Seen time past, the grave would have held the remains of all that died. Bodies were trapped within the grave. 
But because of Jesus Christ, not only will death be no more, but graves will also be empty. Cemeteries will be a thing of the past and all funeral directors will declare bankruptcy. (laughs) Glory to God. Amen. You can tell I don't have much time for funeral directors. Last funeral director I dealt with, I said to him, I don't trust funeral directors. My 20 odd years of ministry, I'm yet to recommend one funeral director. And I said to this bloke, Mark, I said, You be the first one, please. And he was. So if you need a recommendation, come and see me. The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, verse 56. How was death defeated and how is it that the grave will no longer hold permanently the remains of the deceased? Well, Jesus Christ answers that question in verse 56. He makes reference to death, sin and law. Make a note of that. Let's flip them around. Law, sin death they're connected note the word law first and foremost jesus christ met the demand of the law which was perfection for which all of us as sinners cannot attain to in fact quickly turn with me to romans chapter 3 are you still with me Okay, now you know I don't have much time for funeral directors. <laughs> Romans chapter 3. Verse number 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, that saith to them who are under the law, note that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become what? Guilty before God. And note verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The law, God's word, reveals to us that we are sinners. That we are condemned before a holy God. And if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, note the word sin. Death has been defeated. The grave will no longer hold the remains of the deceased because of what Christ has done. He met the demands of the law, number one. He died for sin. Jesus Christ sacrificially paid for our sins in dying on the cross. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for our sins. Jesus Christ met the demands of the law. And also, last but not least, Jesus Christ defeated death once and for all in his resurrection. The sting of death, the sting of death, and the grave could not hold him down 
Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. And because he lives, we live in him. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. The law activates sin. Sin activates death. Jesus Christ in his resurrection does away with all three. The law, sin and death. Thanks be unto God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for our sins, the Bible teaches us, according to the Scriptures. Jesus Christ was buried, and Jesus Christ rose again from the dead on the third day. That's the gospel message, my friend. And if you've yet to receive Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, I invite you, come to the Christ, because you will die. But one has dealt with death. One has dealt with the grave. His name is Jesus Christ. And in his death, burial, and resurrection, you don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear the grave. You can live with the hope of life eternal. Note the exclamation there in verse 57. Are you still with me? Of 1 Corinthians 15. But thanks be to God. Let's say it together. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God. See, in Jesus Christ, we stand victorious. Look at the verse once again. But thanks be to God, which giveth, let's say it together, us. Give us us what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ we stand victorious over the demands of the law, over the sentence of sin and physical and spiritual death has been dealt with in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But thanks be unto God. The gift of eternal life is available to all. Available to all. Because Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. O death, where is thy sting? Not a man. O grave, where is thy victory? Can't hold a good man in Christ down. There's a resurrection to come. See? This gift of eternal life is available to all. And for those that 
do receive Jesus Christ as Savior. For those of us that have received Jesus Christ as Savior, we stand victorious. All because of what Christ has done within the gospel. That's why Hebrews 12.2 reads, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Jesus Christ was willing to be humiliated. He was willing to suffer the agony of the cross to make payment for your sin and for my sin. He died, was buried and rose again and therefore in Christ we live. And we can look forward to a future resurrection to come all because of Christ we stand victorious that's why the Bible reads in verse 57 but thanks be unto God that giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ in Christ we stand on the podium of victory amen In Christ we stand on the podium of victory. First place. In Christ we've been crowned first place. No second, no thirds. In the original Olympic Games there were no seconds or thirds. That's made up nonsense to make other competitors feel good. In the original Olympic Games, there was only first. Number uno. Only. Either you got it or you didn't. And may I submit to you in Christ, you've got it. You've got the crown of eternal life. You are victorious in Christ. Christ has run the race and won first prize for you. For you. Thanks be unto God that giveth us the victory through our Lord, Lord, Master, Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ we stand victorious and this should breed a spirit of thankfulness within our hearts. That is, I don't need to fear death It has no power over me. I know based upon the authority of the word of God that if I was to die, my spirit will go directly to heaven. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.8 And at his return, if I've died in Christ then I will receive a glorified body. The dead in Christ shall rise first, not the living in Christ. How gracious is God. So if you go first, you get first class. The dead in Christ shall rise first. That ought to be a bit of consolation for us all. 
We're to be thankful. But if I am privileged to be alive at his return, I will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and I will be caught up to heaven, receive this incorruptible, immortal body and I will be forever with my God. We've got to be thankful that we've got such hope. What about you this morning? Do you have that hope? Now the question goes begging, how can we prove we are truly thankful are we thankful this morning that we in Christ we are victorious God has crowned us with eternal life God has crowned us as the sons of God God has crowned us with the fact I go to prepare a place for you Now, if we are really thankful, if we really are thankful, look at our text once again, please. Look at verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, can you see verse 58 there? It follows 57. (laughs) Yes. Pastor, you're so clever. I know. (laughs) Not not really. (laughs) Therefore, 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 because of what? Because of what's already been said. My beloved brethren, be ye what? steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Victory demonstrated in the life of the Christian. Victory declared over death. Verses 51 to 54. Victory delivered in the person of Jesus Christ. 55 to 57. And then in verse 58, victory demonstrated in the life of the Christian. If you are truly thankful and grateful that you are in Christ, you stand victorious, then you will be what? Steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. The word steadfast means to continue. The idea of consistency. How consistent is your Christian walk? If you're really thankful, you'll be consistent spiritually. Note the word unmovable. The word means to be fixed, to be set, set in concrete, literally. To live within the boundaries of God's word, a determination to just stay put. That old Martin Luther of yesteryear said, Here I stand, I can do no other. So help me God. 
If you and I are really thankful for that victory that we have in Christ, Jesus Christ dealt with the demands of the law, Jesus Christ dealt with sin, Jesus Christ dealt with death. If I'm truly thankful for my salvation, I'm truly thankful that I stand on victory ground, that I will be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You'll serve God. Let me ask you this morning, how are you serving God? Most of you are not serving God. You turn up to church on Sunday and that's the end of your service. How can you truly say you are thankful? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's how we express our thankfulness to God. By serving him. Then the Bible gives us a promise. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And then it goes on to read. Say it for me. For your labour is not in vain in the Lord. Your efforts for God are not wasted. They will come to something. God's taking notes. In fact, he doesn't need to take notes. He knows. (laughs) Oh, beloved, this morning, a passion to live victorious in Jesus Christ. How can I live the life of a victor in Christ? Well, I've just told you. Verse 58. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's how you and I prove that we are thankful to God for that victory He has purchased for us by dying, buried and rose again. A passion to live victorious in Jesus Christ out of a heart of gratitude will be evident in the principles found here in verse 58. That you and I can be steadfast. You and I can be unmovable. You and I can abound always in the work of the Lord. Why? Because thanks be unto God that giveth us the victory in Jesus Christ. So my original question was, is it possible for a Christian to live a victorious Life, is it possible? Is this a possibility, the victorious Christian life? And the answer is yes. Yes. Because Jesus Christ dealt with the law, dealt with sin, dealt with death. And if you and I are truly thankful, then we will determine to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Some of you are doing nothing for the glory of God. Zilch! And yet you would say hypocritically that I'm thankful for my salvation. No, you're not. 
No, you're not. Stop lying. Prove your thankfulness by being steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches. Am I right or not? Therefore, my beloved brethren, therefore, based upon what? What I've just said. Let me ask you this morning. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Because if you are a Christian, you are a victor. You are victorious. And therefore you can live the Christian life with consistency. You can be fixed on truth and you will be able to serve God effectively. Are you a Christian? Because the Bible talks about the first resurrection, the Bible talks about the second resurrection. We're all going to get a resurrection. For those without Christ, they will be raised in the second resurrection unto damnation. And they'll stand before a holy God at the great white throne and if their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, they'll be cast into the lake of fire. Which resurrection are you going to be part of? The first or the second? If you are a Christian, beloved, I exhort you to live as a victorious Christian. Please. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let's get serious about our Christian life. And all of God's people said, let's bow for prayer. Well, heads are